podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. The boys are back, and after, I feel like we haven't been on a show together in a really long time. I'm so glad he's back. Uh, he's the better looking of the two of us, but at least to one of the uh, Boneheads, not the favorites. Uh, so shout out to Old Man Rogers, but Grant is back. Grant, how have you been? Uh, it's been... It's only been a week. It's been three shows. We just do so many shows together. That is true. What was our last Friday, the Friday episode before the whip around? Is that the one with Andrew? Andrew, it had to be. Yeah, okay. but we did it a while ago. We didn't do it on, it's not like we do it on Friday. Yeah, so so it's been a we while since. We recorded it on like a Tuesday or something like here. Yeah, so it's been a while since we've yeah, actually recorded together. So uh, before we jump into anything, how would you have fared in that trivia matchup? Your guy, Dan. He came up big in Final Jeopardy. Not very good. I mean, not very well. Um, I think I got four or five, right? It really depends on what you decide to wager, though. So, depending on what I wagered on specific questions, I may have been there in the end. Um, I did get the last one wrong. I said McCrane. My first thought was Martin Gramatica, but for some reason I thought McCrane had more. It seemed like he was around for longer, but – Shout out to Dan. He's held in the belt. Yep. First, uh, you know, two-time champion, I believe. I was impressed with Cody. Yes, Cody did very well. Cody did very well. Nelson wasn't bad. I think it was a very solid one. So, I think all three of them will get back in the ring. Um, before we get into it, first sponsor shout out, Bet Online. Get over there right now. The NBA Finals are over, but guess what? You have the World Series. You have the NFL. Stupid-ass fucking Big Ten is back, so you can wager on Nebraska to lose. Get over to Bet Online now. You can't be at the game, but you can still get in on all the action over at Bet Online. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can get on in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads, totals, team player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place. They're the official online wagering partner of the Armchair Media Network. And if you use promo code Armchair, you're going to get an awesome welcome bonus today. Uh, real quick, they're sponsoring Beer of the Pod. I know you're a little under the weather. I have, I'm not kidding, my favorite pumpkin beer that I've had this year. It's called Dark O the Moon. It's from Eliason Brewing. It came from their pumpkin sampler. It is a pumpkin stout, and I'm not kidding. It's it's my favorite one I've had this year. Wow. I'm going to have to check it out. I've seen it. I just haven't gotten it. Yeah, like I said on that Q&A episode, pumpkin beer is vanishing from the marketplace. The pumpkin boy movement is real. So if you want any more pumpkin beers this year, I would get out there soon. So – 
that's all we have. I don't think you have a beer of the pod. Uh, your neck has been hurting you, so you're probably being a that's good the show. Yep, that's it. Yeah, and that's Wrapping it. it so every everyone come back for our post, you know. Uh, so before we get into Coach Kleiman's press conference, which we always start about, we had a lot of fun, you and I did on Twitter, talking about new trophy ideas because I think everyone can agree the Governor's Cup is a stupid fucking name for a trophy. It's not original. There's a ton of them. And it's an ugly trophy. There's actually been like two or three versions of it since it became a thing back in 1969, I think. Uh, but it's ugly. It's always been ugly. There's been some better versions. This one sucks. The two ideas I originally threw out there was a just a six-foot-tall golden sunflower. But I think the one I really – now in latching onto almost like my version of the golden pecan pie versus Iowa State is a bronze salamander because that is the state amphibian. Um, oversized, you know, can't be life size, but a pretty big salamander. That's the one I've latched onto. I'm sticking to it, but you had maybe the best reply of all of the replies I got from that tweet string. Uh, so I want you to tell all the boneheads what your idea would be to replace the governor's cup. Well, yeah, I mean, I just ran with the um, salamander idea. What if we played for a live salamander named John Brown, and then every year the winner would get to take it home and care for it until the next contest for next year? I mean, imagine the passion that that would add to it. And, I mean, you wouldn't be – nobody cares about taking home a – just basic governor's cup trophy but if you got to if you had to had had the responsibility of taking home a live animal that you had to take care of and try to keep out of the enemy's hands i think that would be a good variable oh yeah and then the added like level of like the emotional connection to a living thing could you imagine poor like, time sent it away oh he my sent god it away one year he lost and then it died Oh, my – think of poor little Blake Lynch. Like, if he missed a field goal and then that meant John Brown had to go to Lawrence for a year, the guy would be crushed. So, that was good. that was amazing. Uh, I think something needs to change. Uh, you know, it's too bad that there's, like, an obscure rivalry trophy with a turtle already because I think, the uh, you know, the turtle would be good. Buffaloes are too big. But I, I'm really latching on to the idea of the salamander of some sort. So – We'll move on from that. Uh, tweet us in, folks. Tweet us in any uh, better ideas or any ideas you guys would like to see for a new rivalry trophy name or just trophy So, uh, because it sucks. All right. Um, before we get into Coach Kleiman's press conference, Grant, you weren't on the uh, Q&A episode where I touched on Skylar Thompson officially being ruled out for the year and Joshua Youngblood transferring out. So I want to give you a chance to touch on either one of those things if you want to get your thoughts out there and see, you know, just kind of let the folks know uh, your take on this if you have any. I mean, I do. I'm probably not going to say anything that hasn't been said already, so I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, it's unfortunate, obviously, for Skyler specifically. I mean – he was looking very solid, and I think that obviously lowers the ceiling of our season at this point. Uh, we'll see what Will Howard can do, and we'll see what the coaching staff can do going forward. But to lose your senior quarterback when you're, you know, 2-0 and in the Big 12, and we, I mean, 
I imagine we would have beat TCU also with Skyler. Um, it sucks. Um, there's really no other way to put it. I have no idea if he's going to come back. I'm kind of torn on whether it, it just depends on how Will Howard plays the rest of the year. I mean, if Skyler's clearly better then yeah, I guess you would want him to come back, wouldn't you? But I don't know. It's weird. It throws a wrench into the future and it sucks for the present. So uh, feel for him. Definitely feel for him. Wish him the best. And I, it just, it's a shitty situation. As far as Youngblood goes, um, I mean, I'm not surprised by any means. Um, it's a tough loss, I guess. But I mean, when you really break it down, he wasn't progressing like we hoped he would. And it's just, I mean, it must have been a really tough off season for him. I mean, I can't imagine nobody's really talking about how hard it must be to have to live with your coach. Um, even if you have like a great relationship with the coach, I imagine that would be a huge strain on that relationship. Um, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I, I, that just had to have really, and maybe it didn't, maybe it was fine, but like, can you imagine putting yourself in that scenario when you're like a 20 year old college student mm -hmm. and you're <laughs> having to live with your head coach and be on your best behavior, like 24 seven, it would be awful. And not being able to go home, having to suffer through injuries. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised. It's, it's frustrating too to lose him because he was a good weapon for us last year. He made the difference in a few games on special teams, but um Best of luck to him. I think we have guys that can slide into his spot and recreate the numbers um, or even be better than he was. Uh, but I wish him the best. That's all I have to say. Definitely. So we'll move on to Coach Kleiman's press conference. The One of the very first questions he had revolved around Will Howard. And it's, I think it's funny. I Of course, he didn't mean to contradict himself. But the talking points have always been – oh, Will Howard has the entire game plan. You're not doing anything different with him. Well, he said that the coaches have to do a great job of making sure the game plan is manageable for Will Howard, which, again, it's nothing surprising to us or nothing surprising to anyone who watches the games, but it does kind of fly right in the face of the talking points that Messingham, Klein, and even uh, Coach Kleinman himself kind of laid out over the last two weeks. Um, how manageable – do they need to get do you think they do you think they did a good job versus TCU or do you think they need to even probably make it more narrow for him playing KU I'd have to rewatch the game to honestly answer that in a fair manner but I mean when you think about it I don't think that it was too narrow I mean looking back on it we probably, I mean, he, he threw the ball 19 times. I think that they dialed up decent enough play call um, for us to be successful, obviously. And it, a lot of it comes down to execution, whether it's, you know, him missing guys or once again, people not catching balls. But I don't know. That was an interesting, I mean, TCU is weird. They kind of dominated the line of scrimmage, so we couldn't get the running game going. I think going forward it'll be a little easier for Will Howard um I mean nobody maybe bar Iowa State and Oklahoma State are gonna dominate our line of scrimmage like TCU did so uh yeah they're probably gonna have to adjust going forward um they're gonna have to open it up a little bit more but really players just have to execute better as well definitely so 
there were specific questions about Malik Knowles. Um, it came out that he had missed some practices during the bye week, but was a full go for their Saturday practice, which actually looked to have been a full-on scrimmage. Um, and they asked about, you know, he's in a slump. What do they need to uh, do to get him out of it? And coach said that they just need to throw some balls for some easy catches uh, and kind of get him out of the slump early. But everything is based on what the opponent is giving you. I personally have gotten to the point where I'm not going to expect anything from Lake Knowles until he can bounce out of the slump. So versus KU, I'm not trying to, you know, put in the back of my head, hey, I have Lake Knowles going for this in this game. I have him one catch for eight yards until I'm proven otherwise. Are you expecting a breakout game from him or are you in a similar boat? I'm to the point I'm to the point where I expect that from the wide receiver core in its entirety. I, I just don't – they're not reliable. Um, there's not a single wide receiver out there that I can say this is someone that we can trust. Um, they just haven't shown it yet. Um, I think Malik still has, like, the highest ceiling, and I think, you know, if he can just find some consistency, then he can still be our number one guy. But, yeah – they have to prove it to me first, um, but this is a good opportunity to do that. I mean, playing the worst team in the conference, so maybe that'll give him a chance to get some confidence. What's wild is he's still just a sophomore, and he's going to be a sophomore. I know. Next year. He's so young. He's going to be a sophomore next. Year. It's it's <laughs> God freaking COVID. It's oh man, so wild. Okay, so another thing that surprised me when asked about freshmen who had a good bye week. He brought up Jaron Lewis and said, you know, he, he had a great bye week. He said that he got a bunch of reps. And then in another question about Jaron Lewis, he's been impressive how resilient he's been despite his spot on the depth chart and that, you know, if he didn't miss a bunch of time in fall camp, the depth chart might look different. Is that a coach trying to pump up a kid who might be a transfer risk or are you buying into even this amount of Jaron Lewis hype? I don't know. I thought that was interesting. It makes me worry a little bit about Will Howard too. Um, but see, that, that's I, where my first thought went. But again, people accused me of being too harsh on Will Howard, so I was just like, "Eh, I'm not. I'm not gonna bring that take." To I mean, the table. Jared, Jared Lewis. Jaron Lewis has been like on an island it seems like for a really long time and for him to be talking him up in the press conference is worrying to me um but i i mean i don't know maybe he is just he does like to you know talk about kids and their character and maybe he's just trying to give him some <laughs> pat on the back i i really don't know i mean i don't expect to see jaron lewis maybe maybe we'll see him this weekend but I mean, it's not like he's going to start. I highly doubt that. That would be insane. I mean, I would be worried. I'm worried. I'm on it. We'll get into it, but it's like there's a lot of talk going on. Everyone's really confident. It's like we're not that good, so maybe we should dial it back a little bit. But, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I thought it was weird. The Jaron Lewis mention, I thought it was just bizarre, if anything. Well, especially since I think it was either Colin Klein or Courtney Messingham during the bye week said that, the first two quarterback spots are pretty well cemented. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I, I have not – I'm never going to expect anything from Jaron Lewis. And then here comes Coach Kleiman like a week later, like pumping the kid up. So it will be interesting. It will be something to keep an eye on, I think. Um, getting Cooper Beebe back this week, 
Um, I'm hoping he's gotten enough practice reps to get back on the starting line. But regardless of if he's ready to start or not, how huge is it to get Cooper back for this week and moving forward? It's huge. That's all I have to say about that. It's I agree. Definitely got to get him back in the rotation because he's he's quality. I mean, he's going to be on the freshman all-conference team, and he's going to, he's going to be like a four-year all-conference type guy. So, um, Keon Mosey had some great stuff to say about him, says he keeps improving every single week. Also, when pressed on it, said that Keon Mosey could see some uh, snaps in the slot and in formations where he gets motioned out of the backfield. I think we're all excited to see a few more snaps for Mr. Mosey and see what he can do because, again, there, there were some that had him as like, you know, just as good of an athlete as Deuce Vaughn. So getting both those guys out there, I mean, sign me up. I expect we will see Keon Mosey getting three to four touches at least this game. He'll 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 get touches. Um and I think I think he should, especially with Youngblood out now. Um, not that Youngblood was really contributing all that much, but you would try to get him the ball two to three times a game and maybe Mosey can take those or um, I don't know. I mean, maybe he'll take – maybe he's he's um, past Chicardia right in, in the depth chart. Who knows? But I want to see more of him. He's exciting. I want to see more, more of both of them. Uh, Kleiman did brush, brush off the idea that it isn't a rivalry just because uh, K-State's won 11 straight. Said it's a big deal to anyone who is from Kansas or – and he specifically mentioned Kansas City as well. And it means so much to the fans and anyone connected to either of the schools in the state. Again, that's that's pretty like basic, but again, I th- I think there is more truth to it than many other one-sided rivalries. If you think of other like big time one-sided rivalries, I do think probably the team that is the hammer doesn't care as much about it as maybe the team that's the nail. I don't think that's the case in this rivalry at all. No, definitely not. I mean, if if you were to honestly, if you were to give people truth serum and they had to answer honestly and you did like a large scale um, questionnaire to K-State and KU fans, I mean, it's, I think it'd be pretty obvious where or how much more K-State fans would be invested in winning this game. Um, That's not to say it's not a rivalry and KU fans are lying when they say that they don't care about it, but yeah, we absolutely – I mean, and maybe I think Bill Bill had a lot to do with it, um, probably, at least uh, cementing that um, and really ingraining it into the culture. Um, the hatred for KU has always been there, but Bill made it very important to beat KU, and I think his dominance added to the importance of it. Yeah, I, I think KU fans would care more about this game if – they weren't dog shit. I mean, do you remember last year? I mean, they had just come off a win. The who is K-State, our friends over at Ain't No Seats, they were predicting wins. <laughs> you and I both were tailgating there. It was, you know, their best crowd in close to a decade. They fucking care about it, but they just, it, like, they've mailed it in. They mail it in most years before we in, in football before we play them. So I think that has more to do with it than anything. Yeah, and to be fair to them, that's not unique to KU. Um, any team that would be experiencing this level of failure, I mean, and any fan base would be mailing it in at this point. Like, I would I, I would mean, not give a shit 
<laughs> most you, of the time. If we were at, if you as bad the, as KU in football. If you put the shoe on the other foot, K-State, before we won the Big 12 tournament last year, was the worst team in the Big 12 in basketball. But K-State fans still were all in on that game and all in again for the game against Iowa State. And a lot of folks showed up in Kansas City. So I don't, I don't want to – I mean, we can have a whole other conversation about it. I think KU fans are you not unique, but they are worse than other fan bases. Because, okay. But – but it's let's also been like say, a decade. Let's long. say a decade of what of that of that failure last year in basketball. Then it's like that. Bramlage would have been seventy five percent KU fans probably. No, like it used to be. Yeah, you're you're you are correct. I I, I you are correct. There is you know they've been you fans know, just want to see people win game. They want to see winners. I mean that's true. It's, it's across the board in sports, but I will uh, go against that and say that KU fans are shit and they're bad fans. If, if that's what you want me to say. No, no, no. You, ma- you made a good point. They've been a doormat <laughs> since 2008. So we'll keep moving on. Said that Casey uh, just isn't good enough to overlook anybody, and I 100% agree. Said they yeah. don't prepare well. They're not going to put a good product on the field. 100% agree. And then he also had a lot of high praise for the skill position players at KU. Said they really won't prepare any differently since Puka Williams isn't playing. And that's something I just quickly wanted to touch on. I think this first segment, it's going a little longer than even it usually does. But even with Puka Williams out, you know, I think that they probably have – I mean, Puka's gone. But I think that between Gardner and some of their other running backs, they'd probably be behind Deuce Vaughn in talent. But – you know, they're probably in front of Harry Trotter, and we haven't seen enough from Wright or Mosey this year to put him in front of Gardner. So I would say that, you know what, Gardner prob- would probably be the number one or number two running back here. Puka would have been number one. Uh, they have two or three wide receivers better than anything we've seen from Knowles or Sebastian Taylor outside of one game. Their skill position, I mean, he's, he's correct. Their skill position players on offense are good. Yeah, and they have been for a while. Um, it's definitely something that we'll need to keep an eye on. Um, but, yeah, Velton Gardner, is, he's honestly really good. I mean, he's leading the team in rushes over Puka. So, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But um, I'm definitely glad that Puka's go- <laughs> not going to be on the field. That's somewhat of a relief because he was good. Yeah, and I'm I, he's not a good human being. I'm not going to – rewrite history he's a shit human but you know what i don't wish uh family issues on anyone i know his mom is in really bad health right now so i i would say you know i i hope his mom pulls through and my thoughts are with his mom not with him um not with him but they are with his mom so uh it is what it is they asked about uh you know the recruiting when it came to deuce on say it only took four snaps and one conversation four snaps on film and one conversation with him to know that he could be something special. Um, I get goosebumps when I hear stuff like that. Is he lying? Maybe, but it sounds really cool. Well, he said, all I had to do is see four snaps on film and have a conversation with him. I mean, he sounds like a badass when he says stuff like that. I believe him. I mean, the way that, uh, who's the running back coach? Anderson? Yeah. Brian Anderson. Anderson, um, I mean, the way that he spoke about it, in his presser, um, I, it's very funny that he was like, "God, he's so small." I he almost didn't show him the tape. Don't do that again. Like, don't <laughs> just just show everyone's tape, please, from here on out. Um, but I mean, I believe it. We've seen what Deuce can do, and you know, his high school coaches were just saying, "You got to come see this guy." 
look, he's we know he's small, but I believe him. I love yep. it, it's a good testament to Kleiman's um, ability to evaluate players. I agree. Um, another piece, Skylar Thompson is back in Manhattan after his surgery and a little bit of rehab. He was at practice Monday. Uh, Coach Kleiman said he's a great help with the quarterbacks. Bradley Moore talked about how he's working with the wide receivers. Um, you know, he's such a big, great leader for this team, and he is such a smart guy with all his experience. You got to think, even if he's just on the sideline with a mask on and, you know, a long sleeve t-shirt, it's going to be a value to Will Howard to be able to walk over and talk about what Skyler can see from the sky or sidelines, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I imagine he's going to be next to him the entire game in his ear, constantly giving him advice. So, unfortunate the Skyler's out, but he is a good presence to have on the sideline when you're grooming a, a 18-year-old quarterback. So, Definitely. Uh, two more things before we move on. Uh, one thing that I loved hearing was Coach Common said that at least during one period every practice, they get all the young guys in and they are running K-State versus K-State, which is getting all these young guys snaps, which is something I don't think many schools do. I think many schools just park these guys on the scout team and they aren't, they aren't running their stuff until their redshirt freshman or sophomore year. So I really enjoyed hearing that. Um, do you, th I mean, I don't know if you have any insight to how other teams do it, but does that surprise you at all that they're doing a full period where it, where it is young guys versus young guys, K-State versus K-State? It doesn't surprise me with Kleiman, which I mean, he's shown, just in the last year and a half, how important it is for him to be developing younger players. So um, I think it's a good sign going forward. I have no idea how other schools do it, but I like it. I think it's a positive thing, and I'm glad. It, I hope it continues. Yeah. Uh, also, just on that kind of young versus young, he said that Deuce Vaughn and Will Howard, despite their big positions with the team, still go and lift with the developmental group and talked about how tight that 2020 class is and the leadership Deuce and Will have shown. Um, how exciting is it to hear about, like, okay, two of the big skill positions, they're already playing big-time minutes, but, hey, they're still lifting with the guys they came in with. That, that just makes me think that, man, that 2020 class might be something we look back on and be like, wow, that very first full class with climbing, that was something special. Do you think that that's by design from the coaches or that the players just choose to work out together like that? I think at least how I understand it is anyone who, like, that's how it starts off. But when yeah. the season starts, especially now that they are starters, I think they probably would have the option to then go in and lift with the older guys. But, I mean, you know, he specifically called it out saying, hey, these two guys are still lifting with their guys and they're still showing massive leadership within that class. So, I mean, I, I think there might I – think, I think it's a little bit of both. But. I think it's – I mean – it's impressive from Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn, but I also think that stuff like that kind of bleeds from the top, and it's just a testament to his ability to kind of implement culture and leadership um, from, uh, you know, Kleiman's perspective. So it's exciting. We just – football's back, baby. We're back. Yes. I don't care. We're fucking back. I love it. I, I hope we are. I hope we are. Uh, the final thing, uh, Kleiman really smiled and enjoyed the question was brought up uh, and he thanked Andy Reid for shouting out K-State and their recruiting when talking about Byron Pringle's big game on Monday afternoon football. 
which was a change because he, he fielded a lot of questions from regional media asking questions about KU. You could see how irritated he was, but he cracked a big smile when he got to talk about Andy Reid and Byron Pringle. So two questions to you. One, how badly do you think Kleiman wanted to strangle folks who were asking questions about KU? And two, how big of a game did Byron Pringle have with those two massive catches and just being a stud for the Chiefs? Uh, um, Kleiman, how bad did he want to strangle? I mean – I don't know, man. I've seen the man in person, and he—I could tell that he—he t- he does take things like that personally. He holds grudges, and um, in a good way, though. He knows how to use that as fuel. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of regional journalists went missing. But um, in Pringle, I mean, I'm hoping he sticks around for the Chiefs. Um, he got a shout out from Mahomes as well, which was huge. Um, He's, I mean, he like does nothing really wrong for the Chiefs. Every time I see him on the field, he's executing his job, um, and he he plays pretty well. So I'm hoping he can get some more snaps going forward. I mean, I reckon Robinson and Watkins will be gone next year, so yeah. maybe he'll get some minutes. And shit, maybe he'll take some more of Hardman's minutes too. It'd be good for him. He's he's good. Yeah, they he deserves need to... more time. I think he really does. He deserves more snaps. They need to let Watkins walk because he's always hurt, and then they need to re-sign Byron Pringle for a two-year deal and let him show what he can do. So that's all we have from climbing. Before we get into the game primers, if you want to get your body primed, go to manscaped.com. We've talked about it a couple weeks in a row now. They have the weed whacker nose and ear trimmer. Guys, I Andrew said they are maybe going to send it to me. They need to send it soon because I just today was looking in the mirror Saw some, saw some little hairs hanging out of my nose and ear holes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to get this taken care of. The Weed Whacker has 9,000 RPMs with a 360-degree rotary blade system. So if you want to trim your ear and nose hair without cutting yourself up, go over there. 79% of sexual partners say it is – a major turnoff if they can see nose or ear hair. So if you want to get laid, go get the Weed Whacker today. Also, you know them. You love them. The Lawnmower 3.0 the sing- and the single greatest boxer briefs in the history of the world. I'm going commando because I'm wearing sweatpants today, but I'm not kidding. I'm going to wear mine tomorrow. Use promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com. And remember, if you send me a picture of your receipt, I'll send you a koozie. So our primers are coming up. It's from our friend Ryan Reinhardt over at Ain't No Seats Pod, the KU podcast on the Armchair Media Network. Um, spoiler alert, it is very depressing if you're a KU fan. So I think <laughs> our constituents are going to love it. And then the KSA primers from friend of the pod recurring guest, Mason Both, who is now hosting his own show down Wichita at KS Go, 14, 10 a.m. in the morning. And I, he, he loves to drop a cuss word in because he can't cuss on air. So I'm sure it will be an entertaining one. So you guys listen to their primers, and we will be back to talk more about the Sunflower Showdown, or as I like to call it, the battle for the bronze salamander. All right, what's up, everybody? It is Ryan uh, with Ain't No Seats Pod, uh, KU Podcast. I am here Actually, my second straight week on the pod, on the Bosco Boys pod. So starting to feel like a regular. 
Um, but yeah, Scott asked me to come on and do the KU football primer for this weekend's game. And I'll tell you what, I've not been, it's hard to believe, but this is the most down I've felt about KU football in a long time, which is shocking, but it is. We just lost Puka Williams. He just opted out for the season. He's been that one bright spot these last couple of years that just kind of, you know what, even though the season sucked, the team sucked, it was like, okay, Puka's still electric. I love watching him play. That's going to keep you tuned in any game because he was he's awesome. But he's opting out. So, yeah, that's where we're at right now. To give you a quick overview, the Hawks are 0-4. We, we got embarrassed by Coastal Carolina. Really didn't even have a shot in the game at any point, which I know Coastal Carolina might be the best team in the Big 12. Um, just kidding, but not really. They've been really good, and they embarrassed us. We then lost to Baylor. Duh, Oklahoma State, duh, and West Virginia, duh. We didn't expect any other uh, outcomes in those games. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at. It's been a pretty depressing season so far. Um, one of these questions here was, has COVID impacted your team? And yeah, it has. Les Miles got it. Um, we didn't have him against West Virginia. He was uh, tested positive the week before and didn't travel with the team. So obviously it doesn't help when your team trying to you know, rebuild and get things going and not to have your 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 leader there. So that hurt. Um, last week's game was against West Virginia, and sadly it was maybe the most positive game we've had all year. The KU forced our first turnover of the season, which that is depressing alone uh, as it is. Um, on top of everything going on, we hadn't forced a turnover all year, but we did against West Virginia. We got off to a 10-0 start, and things were feeling great. And then we gave up 38 consecutive points. So we lose 38-17, and now we lose Puka Williams, who had a kick return in that game. So, yeah, that's where we are at. Uh, you know, it, it was fun that we competitive for the, we were competitive for that first half, but other than that, it was same old, same old, just not fun to watch. The expectations coming into this season, I think, were beat Coastal Carolina, win one Big 12 game, and maybe steal another. Likely not, but at least compete in a couple others. And those expectations have just flown out the window. There's, I don't see how anyone could expect this team to get one win this year, let alone two, and certainly not three. Um, so, yeah, expectations, I think, at this point are just compete, let the young guys play. Um, and, yeah, I don't know how else you could have any other expectations with what we've seen so far. Um, the strengths of this team, I don't know. It was supposed to be the offense. We we had Puka Williams. We had Andrew Parchment. We had Stephon Robinson, wide receivers. But it's Brent Dearman was the guy. We all loved him, and I still do. I think he's going to figure it out, but it just has not worked at all this season. Our offense has actually turned into our biggest weakness, um, which was flipped. It was supposed to be our defense, and our offense was supposed to keep us in games. But We've had three quarterbacks, one of which Jalen Daniels is a freshman. I think most KU football wants him to be the guy, but he's not healthy. Thomas McVitie, who started the first year or first week, has not been healthy and has really just not shown signs of being good. But who knows? Miles Kendrick was the guy against West Virginia, and he certainly was not good. So I don't know what to do about the offense. Um, it has not been what we wanted, and we just lost our best offensive player. So yeah, not great. Um, the defense, I guess I'll just say it it's young. It's 
we expected it to be bad, and it has been pretty bad. But I will say against West Virginia, they definitely battled. Like, they were the bright spot. They played hard. They had us, you know, in it in that first half, and I think they just ran out of gas. But, like I said, they are young. Um, we've got some guys on that side of the ball that are exciting and that I'm excited for. I just... I think in a big boy football game like we'll have Saturday, uh, we just are going to be overmatched like we saw last year of K-State just running it down our throats over and over again and us having no answers. So that's kind of what I expect. What do I believe the most important thing for KU to win this game will be? Well, I said I think it's got to be Brent Deerman. Uh, Brent Deerman, the offensive coordinator, he's got to turn back into 2019 Brent Deerman, the guy that put up uh 50 points against texas the guy that put up 48 points against boston college so we've got to see that offense come out which is going to be hard to expect when you just lost your best guy but yeah that's the only answer i have uh, my prediction k-state 31 14 i i think we'll see i don't know why climbing and his staff would change anything up do what you did last year and just wear us down which i expect to happen and uh we're a lot worse football team than we were last year, and we got absolutely pumped last year. So I don't expect much of anything different. And, yeah, couldn't be more depressed about where KU football is right now, and I uh, I think UK State fans can relax on Saturday. But, again, thanks, Scott and Grant, for having me on. You can find me at Ain't No Seat Pod or at our Reinhardt 2012 on Twitter. Yeah, that's it. Rock Chalk. Hey, it's Mason Voth, the host of The Game Plan on Fox Sports Radio, Wichita KGSO, from 6 to 9 a.m. every Monday morning in Wichita on 1410 a.m. or 93.9 FM. You can listen to me or you can even look at my face on Facebook Live or listen on the TuneIn app if you really want to get some of your local sports talk in the morning. It's been a wild ride for the K-State football season. There are a lot of people that wanted to burn it down after week one, the loss to Arkansas State. I can remember the KSO message board that was asking if this was the most embarrassing loss in recent memory. Uh, the answer is it was not, but I tell you what, it was it was not a great feeling if you were a K-State fan at that point in the season, but then... Everything changed with a road trip to Oklahoma, freaking out Spencer Rattler. He throws some interceptions, and you start to realize that maybe that clip of him cussing out his teammates and not being a great teammate, eh, maybe that translates to some of the issues he had early on at performing. But from that point on, it was kind of smooth sailing for K-State. They faced the adversity of losing Skylar Thompson against Texas Tech, but Will Howard comes in. He had the will to win, gets the job done there. And they go to TCU, and maybe the offense doesn't look as great as you want it to be, but the defense looked probably the best it had been all season. And here they find themselves 3-1, and one, which is probably all you could have hoped for going into the KU game at the start of the year. You just wouldn't have expected the win to come against Oklahoma and the loss to beat Arkansas State. I think at this point, K-State's biggest rival this week is probably going to be the coronavirus. I think you hope that everybody that needs to be healthy stays healthy. Maybe you lose a couple of guys or some guys haven't practiced a ton, but this team last year, they came in, Harry Trotter was their feature back, and they still kicked Kansas's tail on the road. And this KU team, believe it or not, I think they're worse than last year. So I think K-State doesn't have anything to worry about in terms of the coronavirus. Fingers crossed as I record this on Tuesday afternoon. Last time out, though, I mentioned at K-State, 
the TCU game, to me, I was encouraged by the defense. Now, the offense definitely left something to be desired, but it was Will Howard's first start and just kind of a weird one of those games. K-State and TCU, no matter if it's a high-scoring game or kind of a low-scoring game, they've played some weird tight ones ever since they became Big 12 mates. And so I just think it's one of those things where you go on the road, true freshman quarterback, you get the win, be happy with it, and move on. I think moving forward this season, one of the things that you're going to take a look at, you know, after a 21 to 14 loss to TCU this week against KU, things start to get tough and it's time to kind of put your money where your record is. That's how I would phrase things. You have a stretch of games coming up now where you probably have your toughest stretch of games to rely on. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how they handle it. I think it no doubt hurts that you lose Skylar Thompson. But also, I wasn't this person that immediately thought, oh, everything that they set themselves up to achieve with Skyler at quarterback can't be done with Will Howard. I think a lot of what this team does is reliant upon what Coach Kleiman and his staff puts in place and then what the defense can do to just slow Big 12 teams down. And K-State is going to have to rely on some guys to make plays. Deuce Vaughn's going to have to keep being incredible for a true freshman running back. And you're going to have to have some of these receivers start to step up their game. But for the most part, K-State, you know, take care of business this week. You're going to put yourself in the driver's seat to where all you really need to do is get a win against Oklahoma State or Iowa State. And you might be, as long as you take care of business against everybody else, maybe you can suffer one other loss but you might be finding yourself in Texas for the Big 12 championship game. Now, I think for K-State, this week, one of the biggest things that they're going to have to rely on is just being confident. Go into this game knowing that, hey, we know we're going to be better defensively versus their offense. Their offense, Jerron McPherson said it on Tuesday, individually they're very talented, but individually doesn't necessarily win you ball games. And K-State as a unit on both sides is very impressive. That's what wins them games. And I think that they're going to be able to get it through. Also, another big strength for K-State is the fact that they've dominated KU. Don't let your lousy KU fans throw out the statistic about, oh, but they lead the all-time series and it's not even that close, 17 games, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you about some of the numbers that go into this KU series. The first Eight, the first 17 games that had a winner or a loser, that's to ban from 1902 to 1921. KU won the first 17, what I would call decisions. So that got them this lead. If K-State wins on Saturday, and they should, and they will, it will be a 17-game deficit for them in the win column against KU. Those first 17 games, K-State will have made them up. And football before 1970, who gives a rat's ass? Not me. I don't care what, you know, Johnny blah, blah, blah did back in the day when he threw the ball three yards and he was kicking it with his left toe to get it to a receiver. All the dumb stuff that happened back then, who cares? Worthless. Doesn't mean anything. Let me modernize some of this for you. The median age of a person in the United States is 38 years old. You know what this rivalry looks like over the last 38 years? K-State has won 27 of those 38 games, and the record is 27-10-1 against KU over the last 38 years. I'm a 22-year-old human being. Do you know how many times K-State's lost to KU since I was born? Four times. Only one of those came when Bill Snyder was the head coach. The other three, when he who should not be named was the head coach at K-State. And honestly, I think everybody understands Ron Prince can be struck from the record 
He doesn't even count as a coach at K-State at this point. He sucked. He's a terrible human being. We don't need to worry about Ron Prince anymore. K-State dominates KU, their big brother in this state. Football is always, always what is king in every other country, state in this country, and it should be the same in Kansas. Don't worry about their basketball team. Let K-State be the kings. I think K-State's going to win this weekend. Who knows? You never really know what you're going to get in this game. K-State's going to handle it. It's not going to be tight. I think K-State probably wins this thing, similar to the score last year. I think 38-17 seems likely. I think maybe you give up a, a few more points, and I think you stick around the same. It'll probably be garbage time because Les Miles loves garbage time points, and Brent Dearman needs it so everybody can tell us how great his offense is. Oh, by the way, I saw some stuff floating out around the start of the year about how great KU's defense was and how improved it was. It's not. Stop that. It's all about field position. You tell me how many yards they're giving up in a game. Yeah, you know where teams are starting with the ball against you? Like the 35-yard line. They don't have to do anything to get into scoring position against you. So don't listen to it. KU's not improving right now. They do have some guys that could sneak up and scare you, but not enough. I think for K-State, Deuce Vaughn, have a field day. We're going to see one of these wideouts have a breakout game. Every year, somebody's going to separate against KU, go off for a big score. Dalton Schoen had some big touches last year. I think it's going to be the same this year. My boy, Sebastian Taylor, going to come in, Seabass for the win. And on defense, last year, I mean, two of the easiest interceptions I think you've ever seen thrown came K-State's way. I think it happens again this year. I think Jerron McPherson ends up with one, and some linebacker is going to end up taking a pick as well. And who knows what else, but some crazy stuff, good crazy stuff will happen, and K-State's going to win this thing. 3817. But good to be with you, Bosco Boisers, again. I'm Mason Voth, KGSO, Fox Sports Radio, Wichita. Listen to me 6 to 9 a.m. every morning in the Air Capital, or if you're outside of it, tune in app or even Facebook Live, and you can stare at me. You can hop in the comment section, try and troll the show. Do whatever you got to do. I'll take it. I know this ran a little long, but who gives a shit? There's my other cuss word for being on the Bosco's boys. Explicit rating for a reason. Can't say that on the radio. I'll talk to you guys. And thank you so much to two legitimately good friends of the pod. Ryan Reinhardt over there at Ain't No Seats, our friends over on the Armchair Media Network, and Mason both. I, I won't lie to you guys. Everyone knows I'm a morning person. Uh, Mason is live streaming his radio show on, or at least I get the link on Facebook. Like he's good. He's good at what he does. He's entertaining. So let's jump into breaking down what this game means in some different, you know, storylines we'll be watching. Uh, the, the first one for the, the, for this game, for this rivalry, 99% of K-State's fan base, I would think would call it the game. I think I'm in the, one percent. I think that uh, as long as Iowa State is a thing, I or at least until KU becomes better, that's the game for me. But you know, for ninety nine percent of the fan base, I would say this is the game, and we are in the midst. Excuse me, of the second eleven game winning streak that we have had in this rivalry, which again is the longest in the rivalry's history. I think the most KU had as a winning streak was eight, maybe. So winning on Saturday would make this the longest winning streak in the history of the Sunflower Showdown. Um, is that weird to think? I mean, because if you think back to the last 12 years, yeah, we had a good 
two-year run, but it wasn't like it was, you know, in the 90s to early 2000s. I mean, we've won, what, one Big 12 title. We've only had two double-digit winning seasons over the last 12 seasons, and we're about to put 12 straight up on KU. That seems crazy. It is crazy. And, I mean, we've been, you know, young adults to adults throughout this stretch. So, I remember every game much clearer than I did 93 to 2003. Um, it is weird, though. It just – it's – you know, you can't envision really a scenario where K-State beats us. It's just because it's been our reality for such a large period of our life that um, – I mean, it's crazy. And, I mean, 11 straight, about to be 12, hopefully, is just uh, – it's funny. I love it. I think we should be very vocal about it and bask in that streak. Um, but it's surprising. I mean, since considering how bad we were for a period of time that we own both of the longest streaks. Yeah, two yeah. of the longest. So I just looked it up. KU did have 10 games between 1956 and 1965. But I think some of those may be disputed. I'm not 100% sure on that. But, again, uh, think, think about since that first streak started, so the, the, the beginning of that 11-game streak. Or, yeah, so you have two 11-game streaks. And then in the middle there is KU wins in what, 04? We win in 05. They get 06, 07, 08, and then 11 straight. So, again, in, in our lifetime, like, it has just been insanely dominant, which kind of comes back to my little rant during that Q&A pod. If anyone, like, any of our peers try to talk about all-time record, like, they have memories of only four KU wins over K-State in football. That's, I, I, that, that's just wild to me that they're trying to give equal value to games that were played, you know, be- like before their parents were born it's wild it's just could couldn't be me it could not be me yeah jimmy uh a- aka uh you know casey underscore fan he had a good tweet um that's kind of sums that up he said k-state has won 100 percent of the last 10 games 80 percent of the last 30 games 70 percent of the last 42 games and 60 percent of the last 50 games you have to be 62 years old for the series to be even in your lifetime. Fewer that, fewer than 20% of living Kansans. Um, KU was 35, 17, and 3 from 1902 to 1957. So it's like, who fucking gives a shit? This is our, I mean, we own the series. Um, yeah, I mean, our whole entire life. Like, that sums it up perfectly. It's, it's any... KU actually leading the series uh, relevancy, it just doesn't exist. And this, this point is why I think, A, our team cares more about it, and why, B, I, I think that K-State fans care more about it for what I'm about to talk about. So all four of the players who had Zoom press conferences are either from Kansas or the, on the Missouri side, the Kansas City Metro. It was Harry Trotter, Briley Moore, Jaron McPherson, and Wyatt Huber. All of them talked about how they wanted to be recruited by KU. All of them, only uh, Wyatt Huber got an offer, and that was after he committed to K-State. 
all of them said that they that was the offer they wanted. So my so I did a little research after I heard this. K-State on the roster has 60 players from Kansas on the roster and 15 players from the Kansas City Metro on the Missouri side. 60 and 15. Take a guess of KU. How many players from Kansas do you think KU has on the roster? I'm going to say 20. 22. Damn. How many players that's, from that's crazy? How so, many players from the Missouri side of the Kansas City Metro? So it doesn't include the twenty-two. So how many players from the Kansas City Metro on the Missouri side do you think they have? Nine. Five. Jesus. So and and again, this goes beyond just football. It also goes to how the universities operate and how they try to recruit students. One of the universities cares about the state of Kansas. One of the universities truly wants kids from the state. That's K-State. KU doesn't give a shit about you. They don't give a shit about people in Kansas. They want to grab people from Chicago. They want to grab people from Denver. They want to grab people from outside of the state of Kansas and outside of Kansas City, which is fine. You know what? You do you. I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to tell KU how to recruit their students or how to recruit their football players. But we you No, I no. <laughs> I'm not in I'm not in that business. KU do whatever you want to. They're a different type of university and they're a different type of football program. But if you are a Kansan, you and I both currently reside on the Missouri side of the Kansas City Metro. But you and I both are born and raised in Topeka, Kansas. And both of us have parents who were born and raised in the state of Kansas. It probably was not always like this, but only one of the states cares about you if you're in the state of Kansas. Only one of them. KU doesn't give a shit about you. That's what makes me so mad seeing so many kids be like, oh, KU, KU, KU. They don't give a fuck about you. And that goes to my brother too. My brother went to fucking K-State and he's a KU fan. They don't give a shit about you, but guess what? K-State does. Look at their student population. Look at what they're filling their football program. There is one flagship for the state of Kansas, and it's K-State, and they show it. They put their money where their mouth is. 60 players from the state of Kansas, 15 more from the Kansas City Metro on the Missouri side to 22-5. and five. So I, that that's a rant I – originally was not planning on going on I I looked it up it's just wild to me so if there's ever and again KU fans aren't listening to this I'm sure some random 12 year old who's trying to decide what school he wants to be a fan of isn't listening to this but if you ever have any doubt whose state this is just look at that type of stuff because guess what you might be a KU fan and you might go to Washburn or Baker or even K-State they don't give a single fuck about you but K-State does so We'll keep moving on. Uh, a fun fact about this game, this is going to be the 118th game played in the history, which will then tie them with Texas and Texas A&M for the 18th most played game in college football history. In a few years, this is going to be, I believe, the 16th most played game in college football history because of some rivalries that have gone dormant. Um, so that's a fun fact about this rivalry. It, it is one of the most historic rivalries, and it doesn't get the play because it's, it's been 
two different stories. One team's dominant, then KU sucks, and then we kick their ass. But it is one of the most historic rivalries. Another thing, with Iowa State and Oklahoma State playing, assuming we take care of business, Saturday, come end of the day Saturday, it'll go from a three-way tie for first to a two-way tie for first. So if you're going to dream about Arlington, you know, take care of business, sit back and watch what happens there. And then here's another one I'm going to be watching. I, I want to get a prediction for you. Can Will Howard take a step forward? So my question for you is, will we come out of this game versus KU thinking, okay, Will took a big step forward. I, I'm feeling bullish about what he can do for us of the season. Uh. Well, it's a perfect opportunity for him to do that. Um, going against the bottom team in the Big 12, um, I imagine, you know, even him and even guys like Jacardier Wright um, will have the opportunity to kind of showcase themselves a little bit more on Saturday. Um, I don't know if I will come out of Saturday saying that I feel bullish about Will Howard, um, but I pray. I pray that that is the case because I want to dream of Arlington. I want to be in the conversation at the end, and we're going to need uh, Will Howard to take some steps forward to do that. So um, here's to hoping. Yep, the other two things, it's the two different tales. Can the defense keep their hot streak, and will we see the wide receiving core step up to help out Will Howard? Uh, I know for me, if you're making me bet on one of those two things happening, it would be defense keeping their hot streak. Uh, are you making that same I thing? agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing to add there. We've seen we've seen what they can do, and we've kind of been consistently let down by the wide receivers' uh, production. So, But it's KU. It's a chance to take a step forward all over the place. So, I agree. Uh, speaking of taking a step forward, will we see any of the younger players thrust themselves into a more uh, big-time role or, you know, just more playing time? We've seen KU games of past be the coming-out party for folks. You know, Colin Klein, he really started to get his first little glimpse, uh, you know, mop-up time, I think, in 2010. We saw some Daniel Sams moments, you know, back in the day. We saw some wide receivers, defensive backs, make their first little stamp of the game in this one. Um, I'm hoping we see it. And then again, I'm going to continue to mention this as long as they're all in the conference. Can Coach Kleiman rally up another W against one of the coaches he was hired in the same offseason? Currently 3-1 and one versus Matt Wells, Les Miles, and Neil Brown. And then you're getting Neil Brown just again next week. So those are the storylines and things I'm going to have on my mind rest of the week. Is there anything I miss that's really going to be front of mind for you that you'll be keeping an eye on? I don't think so. All right, let's get into it. Keys to V. Grant, give me your first one. I want to I want to know what you're keying in on. <laughs> uh, number one, eliminate big plays for KU. Um, they have talents at skills positions, and they are capable of big chunk plays. I think the defense has done well at, you know, making offenses earn every score so far this year, and I think they will need to continue that trend on Saturday. I like it. So mine is get up big, get up early, and stay up the entire game. This is one of the worst KU teams in the history of their program. Uh, if we had Skylar Thompson, I would be, I'd be predicting you know one of those old-fashioned fifty-nine to seven blowouts. I have, I have the worries about uh, Will Howard. So if you want to have some Arlington dreams, you can't 
can't leave any doubt about how much further ahead we are than them as a program. You have to, you have to blow them out. So what's the next one? I agree with that. Uh, dominate the trenches. Trenches. This was kind of the glaring difference last year uh, in the game, and it'll probably be the difference Saturday. Uh, we spoke about how, you know, even if not KU has the edge at the skill positions, but we should have the edge in the trenches. So um, I also think we have a pretty big coaching advantage uh, across the board, but um, dominate the trenches and we should be able to dominate this game. Yep, my final one is get Will Howard in rhythm and let him shine. This is the only softball we'll see as a defense for rest of the or see on defense for rest of the year. Um, you have to build the confidence. You have to get a good game and momentum rolling before you go into that massive test, West Virginia. So those are key to these. Um, you know, hope, hopefully we get straight A's. It's been I think it's been a while since we've gotten straight A's in one of these. So. Uh, come back for the review pod to see how we grade those out. And then our, our game predictions are sponsored by Bet Online. Remember to visit Bet Online, our exclusive online wagering partner, for all your wagering needs. And be sure to use promo code ARMCHAIR for your welcome bonus. All right. So we took a full, we're going to take the season off of predicting a bunch of games with COVID. You never know what's going to get canceled or who's going to play in them but we will give a score prediction for the K-State game. Before we talk about the other Big 12 games and some national games we'll be watching on Saturday. So let's just jump into it. Grant, you've uh, you kind of hinted at it earlier. I think currently the line is sitting at 18 points. Uh, I assume we're both going to pick K-State to win. Are you going to pick them to cover as well? Oh, man. I mean – 18? That's funny. So I was going to say, I didn't know the line. I think it's up to 19 and a half. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, hold on. I could be wrong. Yes, yeah, no, it, it is up to 19 and a half. 19 so, and a half. so do they I think we win, but I don't think we cover. Um, I have our score pegged down around like 28 to 10. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they absolutely just obliterate them and are firing from all cylinders, but we're just not explosive enough, especially with Will Howard. I mean, so especially with Will Howard. I mean, that's that's why we're not explosive right now. So until I can see it, I don't think we cover, but I think we win. And I, I'm scared. I'm nervous. But maybe I'm just always nervous when we play KU. I think that's all it is, just because just the prospect of losing to them at all is horrendous um, especially now when we have hope <laughs> and we seem to be on a trajectory that's positive um, but I have us still winning by three scores maybe not covering 28 to 10 cats yeah I'm going to sadly have us uh, settling for more field goals than I'd like I, I have us winning 30 to 10 so I do have us covering I have us winning by uh, tw or winning by 20, but I think it's going to be a game that leaves us really wanting on offense. I think we're going to have, oh man, how, how many uh, play clinch, that'd be three field goals. So I'm going to say three touchdowns and one of them happens on defense or special teams only. Two offensive touchdowns, three field goals, um, frustrating game on offense, dominant on defense, uh, cover, um, but I, I, I think I think it'll leave us wanting a little bit before we 
play West Virginia. So let's just talk real quick about the other big 12 games. I would say that Oklahoma State, this is the one we'll have an eye on. As much as I, like, I, I literally feel sick saying this, but if Iowa State pulls off the upset, they're currently underdogs by three points. If they pull it off, I think they have one foot standing inside Jerry World for a trip to the Big 12 championship. If Oklahoma State wins this, this gives them a win over their first real test. They're really facing a gauntlet. I think it's Iowa State, uh, Texas, and then K-State for their three-game stretch. And then I think after that's Oklahoma uh, because Baylor's their final game. They've already played West Virginia and KU, so and TCU and Tech are somewhere in there. But, uh, you know, if Iowa State wins this, that means they have a win over Oklahoma, TCU, I think they're going to. And Oklahoma State. I, I mean, I would pick Oklahoma State. I legitimately think Oklahoma State wins. But if Iowa State wins it, I mean, they have a foot in Arlington. I know. They, they would really need to, you know, revert to their old, you know, Charlie Brown selves not to make it. Never Arlington. underestimate their ability to bottle things. It's that in is their true. DNA. That is but, true. But, yeah, so, you're right. They would have – I mean, they would be sitting pretty um, atop of the Big 12. But I think they're going to win, too. I don't know. I just Don't feel like Gundy. I feel like Gundy's a bum, and he's petering out. They haven't played anybody. They haven't looked very good. Um, the only team they really put it on is KU. So I don't know. I'm Don't not you, a believer in their quarterback either. Don't you mean if Iowa State wins it, they'll be sitting at the top of the Big Twelve looking purdy instead of per- pretty? Yes. But yes. that's. But yeah. that's <laughs> I'll give that to you. I'll give it yeah. to you. No, that was that was bad. I'm ashamed. Uh, OU versus TCU. Did that OU win in Red River uh, give them you know what they need to snap out of this funk? I think they win. Um, but I do think TCU kind of gets a little bit of offense going versus defense that looks like Swiss cheese. I don't think it will be comfortable for OU, but I think they win. Um, where's your head at looking at that one? Um, I don't know. I think they probably beat – I think they probably win. Uh, Oklahoma beats TCU. I think Gary Patterson's washed. Uh, they just don't have any – they're not explosive offensively enough. I know they kind of – looked explosive against Texas, but I think Texas is also washed just in general. Um, and they're going to be, they're going to be chasing, you know, the conference, they're going to be chasing Arlington for the rest of the year. So um, I think they're going to be coming out aggressive. It'd be nice though. If TCU could knock them out, they'd be done for. And that would be kind of a, I still just feel like they, you know, they're going to be there at the end, breathing down somebody's neck. And um I mean, they're still obviously incredibly talented, so we'll see. I hope the Horned Frogs can knock them out. Yep, it's currently a full slate. Uh, things can change. We're recording this on a Tuesday evening. Baylor versus Texas. Uh, does Texas bounce back from that overtime loss, uh, or is this going to be the beginning of the end of uh, Mr. Tom Herman? And can Baylor start to find life after Matt Rule? Uh, you don't have to make a prediction, but what, what do you think uh, might happen between those two Texas schools? I don't know. I mean, Texas and Tom Herman's coaching for his life right now. Um, Baylor, it's like, who the hell knows? They played, what, one game? Something like that. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, I think Baylor's better than people give him credit for. They're still really talented. I think Aranda's probably a pretty decent coach, at least defensively. And Charlie Brewer's a stud, so who knows? I would say I could see Baylor winning for sure. 
All right, if Baylor wins that, is Tom Herman coaching he Texas should. when he Not. comes to Manhattan in December? That would be one, one in three. No, he's gone. Okay. He should be gone already. I mean, he's he's not a good coach. He's at least not a fit for Texas. They're they're not back, um, but they're you know they're like they're like the Manchester United. They're like the what I thought was be Nebraska. I've always said you know Nebraska is kind of a sleeping giant. They have all the facilities in the world, but it's been like twenty years since they've been even remotely dominant. So. I don't think Nebraska is ever going to be back, but uh, Texas truly is like all they need is that, that coach to, to take him over the hump. So I wouldn't be surprised if they've been Herman here soon. All right. The final big 12 game, West Virginia at Texas tech, despite being winless in big 12 play, Texas tech is a three point favorite is the wrong team favorite. Does West Virginia start having dreams of Arlington? If they dispatch Texas tech Arlington, no, but they'll beat tech. They'll be sitting at 4-1 playing us. I know. They're probably going to beat us, too. I don't feel good about that game at all. And they gave Oklahoma State a pretty good contest. So, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they're so going to Arlington. Well, they might not be going, but they'll be dreaming. All right, and then we're going to wrap up. Just what are two national games you'll have your eye on? What's your first national game that you'll have an eye on on Saturday? I don't know. I'm looking through the schedule. It's not great. Maybe Nebraska, Ohio State. Um, for the lols yeah just to see them get absolutely gashed um nc state north carolina that's a decent little rivalry game um north carolina absolutely blew that game in uh tallahassee they should have beat florida state they had a comeback got down 24-0 i don't know if you watched that well i'm a mac brown believer so i that game kind of hurt me but that's a good one almost had that I have Michigan versus Minnesota. That's the marquee matchup of the Big Ten's first weekend back. And then, you know me, I love giving a little bit of love to the Americans. Cincinnati versus SMU, ranked matchup of what looks to be two of the best teams in the American. They've enjoyed a pretty uh, bright spotlight up until this point with no uh, Big Ten playing. Uh, whoever wins that, I'll say this. This is, this is all I'm going to say, and I'm going to leave it at that. If Cincinnati wins that, I think – that they could legitimately find their way into playoff conversation. Um, yes, it hurts that the Pac-12 and Big Ten are trying to get in there, but if Ohio State stumbles a couple times, if Oregon doesn't go undefeated, Cincinnati, it's a very good year in the American. If they find a way to go undefeated, they will at least there, – there will be a lot of clamoring for Cincinnati. They're good. They're good. The playoff at the end of the year is going to be an absolute mess. There's going to be so many teams bitching. Oh, it's, I, it's, it's going to be bizarre. I love it. It's, go, it's going to make college football, which has historically been just a shit show, trying to figure out who is going to be the national champion. It's going to be the most on-brand thing for college football ever. You're going to have the Pac-12 playing like three games. The Big Ten is trying to get eight or nine in, but you know what? One COVID test – one wrong COVID test, like your team's done for two weeks, and they don't have any bye weeks set in. Uh, you know, the, the the ACC, Notre Dame, all sorts of craziness. I love it. Guys, like, I remember back when there were times where I was thinking there's no way we're going to have a college football season. The fact that we have it, the fact that K-State's getting some of this, it's, it's amazing. I love it. I love the boneheads. Beat KU. Tweet us in 
your new trophy idea. Also, any new five-star reviews, I need to see five stars and a review. I will also send you a koozie. Send me a screenshot. Send me a DM. I'm trying to give away some koozies. I'm sorry. If you've already given us a review, no, you've already gotten your koozie. There'll be more chances for you. So if you want a Bosco's Voice koozie, five-star reviews in the iTunes store. Also, if you have Spotify, just hit play. Let it run through. It can be on mute. Just give us some listens. We love you guys. I'm, you know what? I'm happy. Let's just keep the good times rolling. Grant, what do you want to say? I want you to send a koozie to – let me find it. Tracy Poor. I'm going to send you her uh, address. Shout out to Tracy Poor. I've been meaning meaning to send her something for like since the KU game. <laughs> oh God, uh, basketball so game. All right, um, so yeah, send me her information, Tracy. You'll be getting some koozies in the mail soon. Hopefully, she's still a fan. That'd hopefully, I didn't awkward. turn her off with my inflammatory Twitter or whatever. But uh, I guess she'll get a koozie. She can use it to drink stuff with, or she can burn it. I don't care. Do whatever she wants. Um, BKU the enemy we must keep our foot on their throats and continue to own the state uh, folks we can get it
Social Podcast Network.